0: The Natural Hat Trick, hosted by Luke Lipinski and Craig Morgan.
1: Welcome in episode 228 of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast alongside Matt Heyman. Hello. Hold on, Matt. Good to be here. And it's only us. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And Jamie Eisner. Uh-huh. I am here. The Matty Hattie. Jamie has returned. Craig is calling in in a couple minutes from beautiful Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. But I'm in Craig's seat
2: today, which yes. is an absolute honor. Normally, I sit in Jamie's seat. That's true. Which, which is, is not, not as much honor. of an honor. No.
0: <laughs> How dare you sat where he once sat.
1: Uh, I'm sure it's, it's what uh, the next full-time coach in New Jersey will feel like as they step in for John Hines, right? It's, it's the same level of an honor. Uh, second head coach fired already this season. I went and looked. So you guys don't look when I ask this question. Name all the coaches that have been with their current team for seven years in the NHL. Paul Maurice? Is that one? No.
2: No. Uh,
1: so go back to December 5th, 2012, for those of us that don't know so what I'm year So I'm assuming is. there's one coach? No, there's not any. Oh, okay. Not oh. one NHL head coach. <laughs> was saying, that's that was a very specific two. date, so there's either one or zero. <laughs> um, yeah, that's just absurd. I mean, Hines, it was inevitable that he was, this was going to happen. Uh, and I think it was also inevitable that it doesn't make New Jersey any better, because I don't think he was the problem. They don't have a goalie, and they're not getting Auntie Ranta before everybody else, We'll get
0: into that later in the show. But, uh, look, they've been abysmal this year. Obviously, goaltending has been the biggest issue for them. But they had slow starts from guys that they thought were going to be better. I mean, Jack Hughes has been a little bit up and down, as to expect, as a rookie. But it took Wayne Simmons a while to get things going. But this is a team where they had wild-card expectations. And I know now there's been this weird narrative around the Devils over the last month where just quite frankly, the media around them is like backing off. Like, well, no one expected them to make the playoffs this year. Like, no, ab- everyone yeah, absolutely did. thought you were in wild card contention this year because you spent all that money in the offseason and got the number one pick again. So, but 101 you goals. you say it like
1: that. I'm
0: just saying. Again. It's like, it's just some teams just get number one pick a lot and they don't do anything with it. Yeah, it's always the what team what with Hall. have we ever seen that before? Yeah, true. It is always the team with Taylor Hall. But 101 goals in 27 games is not good.
1: No, look, they have the second-worst record in the NHL behind only Detroit, who... Never wins anymore. I honestly forgot Detroit was in the league there for a stretch of the season.
0: It's with their, crazy. With their starting goalie out, Anthony Mantha out, they just, they're on an eight-game losing streak.
1: They're terrible. 0-8-2 in their last 10. I mean, you think about the difference from Detroit back in the like the early 2010s when they were playing the Coyotes in the Western Conference playoffs and they were coming off back-to-back trips to the Stanley Cup and they were like the team they were like the feared team in the west and now they are at the bottom of the trash can in the east.
0: Yeah, they are a team that is that is a nice thing to say about them. That's the Pierre Dorian special. Yeah. Yes. We're a team. We're 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 out there. But Luke, I don't know if you know this, the team that was in last place in the in the NHL on December You know, 47th last year was uh, January 3rd, whatever was won the Cup. So, you know, don't write out Detroit yet with
1: Jonathan Bernier and Calvin Pickard and Eric Comrie. It's true. Don't count them out yet. Just got to make that coaching change and you'll be good to go. Uh, The team that is going to use that line that Jamie's using right now is Toronto this season, who they're not at the bottom of the league, but they don't have a backup goalie. And I think that's going to be an issue for them at some point.
0: Yeah, they ran Garrett Sparks out of town, didn't they? So. They don't have any. Michael Hutchinson's bad, and he's been bad, and should feel bad.
1: And they should, <laughs> and feel, should bad. feel bad. And they should feel bad. <laughs> Everybody should feel bad. Well,
0: they, there's um, also,
2: a bit, uh, to a certain extent, though, I mean, it, Michael Hutchinson kind of got the raw end of the deal a little bit, because he was always fair. playing on the second half of back-to-backs. He had, like, one of the worst performances in front of him among all the NHL goalies that the Maple Leafs just didn't play when he was in net. Well, and also
0: something we have to talk about is Austin Matthew used the Q-word again last night when to talk about Quite his Phil- team's effort. No. Oh. Quit.
1: Well, the game against Philadelphia, we're jumping all over the place, but the know, Toronto but- game against Philadelphia was 1-1 with 10 minutes left. And I understand Philadelphia is playing very good hockey right now, especially in Philadelphia. And the final score of that game was 6-1 Philadelphia. That game was 2-1 with 3 minutes left. So... You want to talk about a team, and this is the team Matthews is talking about, quitting in front of their goalie. They just hung Frederick Anderson out to dry at the end of that can, game. Can I read you his quote? What if I said no?
0: I would have done it anyway, okay, but so I just, at least i going to be respectful. All right, go ahead. Quote, we can't just fold. We have to play to that last minute because that's just unacceptable. We left Frederick Anderson out to dry. Suddenly the score 6-1, so that's on us. That can't happen. We just folded, kind of just quit. We can't be doing that, not to a guy like Freddie, not to our starting goalie. have to have a little bit more pride than that.
1: Yeah, that was embarrassing. Yes. I mean, Philadelphia scored twice in the last minute. And it, it was very clearly watching it like, okay, this team, they look like a team that was done with Mike Babcock being their coach. Except he's not their coach anymore. And that's, so that goes out the window now.
0: And that's the point where I, I think, and I, look, everything we've learned now, you had to make that firing. There's, there's no question or anything about that. But to just assume that that was the only thing the Leafs needed to do in order to go from this to winning the cup... Was a very very rash and quick judgment. There are a lot of issues that this team should have, and it's not with talent. Well,
2: so?
0: it's with effort,
1: yeah, it's with execution. It's a very individualized team.
0: Like I understand your backup goalie situation isn't good, but come on, like y- you should be winning way more games with the amount of talent you have. Like there's there's an effort problem.
1: This yeah. is goals against average is four point five five. Which has to be historically bad.
0: They, they've played three more games than the Devils, but they've given up the same amount of goals. Yeah. So like, that's just something to keep that's,
1: in mind. That's concerning. Because Freddie Anderson's been solid, but are they going to run him into the ground and expect 65 starts this year? Because if that's they the case, year. they're not going to win in the playoffs. They may win a series, but I've always kind of had in the back of my mind, they're going to get Marner back, they're going to hit their stride here at some point in January or something, and they're going to be a force in the playoffs if they can get out of the first round. But if, they are, if the plan really is to just run Freddie Anderson into the ground, this is a team that I thought would win the Stanley Cup or at least make a deep push this year, and I hope doesn't, because it's so much more fun when they don't. Well, I mean, look, they're not going to if they if they ask that much of him.
0: No, but if they get hot late, this team has enough talent to, to run. I mean, again, their vision of the path to get there is going to be tough for them, but they have enough talent where they can make a run. Oh, yeah. But part of this is the casualty of having such a top-heavy cap roster, is that you don't have the depth in other areas of your team, and when you are relying on it, and when you're top players aren't, for one reason or another, whether it's injury, whether it's lack of effort, whether it's a slump, are not playing up to their cap level, this is what happens. You get a 500 hockey team. They're not a 500 hockey team. They shouldn't be. They have way more talent than that,
2: but right now. I can't say they are playing better than what the record is. Well, the one thing I will say about that is, as far as effort's concerned, is at least the goals that they gave up against the Philadelphia Flyers were after they had already, the game was already over. So it's not like they came out in the first period and they looked like trash and they weren't trying and they weren't putting any effort forward. That, to me, would be a lot more concerning than if the game is out of hand, it's 3-1, to one, you just gave up an empty netter, and then you stopped playing defense for the last minute of the game. Yeah. So I'll give them that. Uh, also, I mean, if you make a coaching change and there's structural deficiencies in the way that you play hockey with that team, it might take some time for that coach to implement the things that he wants to do. And then I completely agree with you, Jamie, that the, the way that the roster is constructed, they are extremely talented. This absolutely should be a playoff team. However, there are issues with it.
1: It is flawed. There are holes. It's not perfect. Well, the, the thing I would say, and I agree with you, like it, it would be more concerning if they just didn't show up for the whole game. But it does show a lack of respect for your goalie that you mm-hmm. just quit on him with three minutes left. And you're like, well, whatever, we're frustrated, so you can just get embarrassed. Because guys were walking in on breakaways, and if you're Freddie Anderson, at what point you're like, hey, I'm probably the reason we have the 13 wins we have. So like, why don't you guys start pulling your weight in front of me? Um, it's they're in a tough spot, and I'm enjoying it. Don't get me wrong, but because they're not like a they're not locked into a playoff spot yet. We all agree they're going to be a playoff team. And if they don't play Boston in the first round, they may go on a run and they may still win the cup, but because they're not in a playoff spot, they have to keep running Freddie Anderson out there. Cause they don't have a backup goalie. So they could really put themselves like you see other teams that are sort of, I think Tampa Bay is doing this. I think Washington's doing it, although they keep winning, but those teams kind of have a feel for what they have to do in the regular season to get to Boston. Boston and Washington are probably the two best examples. And they're both winning. But they know that the regular season is basically a tune-up for the playoffs. It's like the Patriots do in, in the NFL every year. But Toronto has messed this up so much that they're going to have to scramble to be in a decent playoff position. And that wouldn't matter, except they're going to run their starting goalie into the ground. And it
2: doesn't help either that they're uh, fifth in the NHL right now in the shot's allowed per game. No. Um,
1: that's not what you want when you're having a goaltending issue. All right, <laughs> uh, calling in right now from West Philadelphia, probably born and raised there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craig Morgan, how you doing, Craig?
3: Uh, I'm okay. The sun came out actually for the first time on this road trip this morning. Oh, and wow. Then it went away. Now it's cloudy and gray again. <laughs> There's almost a cloud in the sky here. I think it's one way uh, off in the distance. Yeah, it's over like. It's my way of saying
1: I miss home. Oh, we miss you too, Craig. Uh, Matt took I your chair though. That. Yeah, it's yeah. really comfortable. I you missed me. Okay, we, we bef-
0: before we get into any like actual important stuff, you need to know. We're twenty so, minutes in, Craig, If People don't know Craig is the one that brings in uh, the donut holes, and it's that's true. what they're the called. Donut by balls, the donut balls, yeah. The, no, the holes. Yeah. So when you, you usually bring in the, like that twenty five pack from Dunkin' yeah. Donuts, so Matt very nicely, very graciously decides he's going to to fill that role today, and he's going to get. The donut holes. It was my pleasure. He brings in... Thank you, Matt. They're the very good. He had no idea what to do, but he ordered exactly 16. 16 donut holes. Big Who orders fan. 16 donut holes? Not a dozen, not 10, not 20, 16.
3: I it's didn't like even any, know you could order
0: 16. Well, apparently, there's all this whole world that we didn't know about. Uh, Matt walked us through this that you can order as few as four and as many as infinity.
1: Which, raise well, <laughs> is it as many as infinity? You can just have an entire, like, truck full of donut balls? <laughs> well, I mean, I suppose they have a finite number of donut balls back there, but. And
3: they threw uh, them in a. S- Follow up question? Yeah. 16
2: doesn't divide by three, so... Uh, <laughs> well, no, so Jamie said that he hole. wasn't going to have any, so I did pick an even number for that Uh-oh. reason. And 25, 25 sounded like far too many for just Luke and myself. And I, We're reasonable eaters. We don't need 12 and a half donut holes. Um and the, the kind woman at the Dunkin' Donuts asked me how many I wanted. She said I could do as few as four. I said 16 sounds like a good number. That is verbatim what I told her, and I stand by it.
1: Well, I, I'm not going to question you because you brought in the, the donut balls, and then Jamie proceeded to eat, like, one or three just to throw everything off. I had yeah. Exactly one exactly. just to ruin your yeah. days. Yeah. All right,
3: let's well, get... yeah, that does throw him off one. You should eat a second one at least. Yeah, that's... I, I, I never had the opportunity. That would I, require not, him not to true. be considerate. I
0: was, I was given the opportunity at the last donut hole. Yeah, I, I, I offered you the last I, one. I didn't feel like it was proper for me to take it
1: as much as i'm sure people are tuning in to hear donut ball talk can we mm-hmm. kind of mix in some taylor hall talk here too since every question we got is about taylor hall including some people asking if matt Lehman is reporting this as news <laughs> no i i did not
2: i cited a report yesterday from sportsnet uh elliot friedman um
1: reported that and i just merely cited it so do not credit me for reporting that let me just simply say this to start off and i don't I don't think the Coyotes are going to end up with Taylor Hall, but if they got Taylor Hall, he would, and you guys can correct me if you disagree, would instantly become the best player they've ever had. Hmm. (laughs) Number one overall pick in the prime of his career, just won MVP two years ago, league MVP, not like, oh, he was this team's MVP. He won the NHL MVP two years ago on a team that's not very good in New Jersey.
3: So if he but joined I mean, the Coyotes... The he was at Edmonton. I mean, they traded him for Adam Larson, and the that, trade was one for one. That's true. Yeah, well, yeah. I did like the so response. I want to know why Jamie's off donut balls. Sorry about your Taylor Hall thread. It just died. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm more
0: disappointed you called them donut balls, Craig. I thought you were That's on my side on this
3: argument. Yeah. But okay. See, I did that for Luke because I was mm-hmm. killing his thread. Thanks, well, Craig. A, I just threw him a bone.
0: See, here's what happens. though. This is how like slang gets into your lexicon. Of You, you use it ironically enough times. It just becomes natural. It becomes second nature. You can't let this happen, Craig.
3: Lexicon sounds like the You're last not name not of a Blue Lexan, Jackets Jenny. prospect. <laughs> You're
0: dodging the question, Jamie. Uh, no, I just didn't Where want to... Are you uh, up donut Hole? I did not want as much sugar today. Um, Jamie told us he was you know? watching his figure. Did He, you, he, he said yeah. his
1: girlish figure. Yeah, do we you know, know there's 70
0: calories per Donut Hole? That's a lot for just a little Donut Hole.
1: Well, that just means we got 1,120 calories in this yep. bag of donut balls. Correct. That That's why I thought 25 was far too many. Yeah, I got was, 16. It's, it's egregious. All right, since you guys don't want to talk about one of the best players in the NHL coming to the Coyotes, how about uh, just what they have done so far on this road trip and what they're walking into in Philadelphia tonight since the Flyers uh, suddenly seem unstoppable?
3: Well, both of uh, yeah, I would say it's, it's the back-to-back here is what I would really say. I, I believe as of last night, and maybe still this morning. Uh, the Penguins obviously won yesterday to shut out the Blues uh, with, without like half their lineup, by the way. This is a tough back-to-back. These are two teams that are playing extremely well on home ice. So, yeah, this is a really tough situation for the Coyotes. The Flyers, in, I think in a lot of ways, uh, they're similar to the Coyotes. You know they I know they prefer to play with zone entries uh, in control of the puck, but they are, they are playing a bit of dump and chase lately. They're getting in on the forecheck. They have forward depth. They're getting terrific goaltending. Sound familiar? This is going to be a tough situation for the Coyotes tonight. Um,
1: The Flyers are coming off that win over Toronto. I do want to talk about Pittsburgh, and I purposely didn't bring a duck in today. But uh, the Penguins, Hmm. they shut out St. Louis last night, like Craig just said, with Tristan Jari in goal. They have actually... And this has shocked me. Been one of the best teams in the league in terms of goals against average.
0: They have, and look, if Guinea Malkin and the Scranton barre Penguins are finding a way to win these games, and yeah, they're playing without Crosby, yeah, and a lot of other and a lot of yeah. other. Talent. Yeah,
2: they've had a lot of injuries this year. Been rust yeah, we, out too. Yeah, they got a lot of guys yeah. out. So like,
3: yep.
0: But look, the goaltending has actually been pretty decent, and Jerry's been pretty good for the most part. I know there was a point about a week ago where people were calling for him to get the lion's share of the of the starting role over Matt Murray, but. They've been both been pretty good for the most part. I mean, Matt Murray has his blow-ups, but that's you kind of you kind of know yeah. what that is about with him.
3: Um, I don't not not all that convinced that Matt Murray is playing that well this season. You look deeper in the numbers, but I would not be surprised at all. If Tristan Jari played this game against the Coyotes, especially because he's coming off a shutout. I mean, I, I know the Coyotes did it the other night. Darcy can't forget the shutout, and they go to Ranta, which surprised a lot of people. But I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him in goal for this game. It's
1: just I, I was listening to one of the uh, I was listening to a podcast based out of Toronto driving into the show today and they were Why doing would you do that well because it, it's fun because they just delivered two embarrassing efforts on back to back nights these are the days I listen and they were uh, they were going off about how they should. They were doing the thing they do where it's like, Toronto needs a goalie, so who can we take one from? And fortunately, this time didn't say, let's just go take Darcy Kemper from the Coyotes. But they did the, well, Pittsburgh has Tristan Jari, let's take him, which, you know, doesn't work. But this is how bad it's gotten for Toronto. They were like, the problem is we can't just go out and add a guy. We have to make a move for salary cap purposes because we really wanted Louis Domingue and couldn't afford him.
3: Oh, well... That's, that's not a good argument.
1: No, it's, uh, I wouldn't want Louis
3: Dominguez my goalie in ball, let alone trying I, to win a Stanley Cup. I do Cup. admire the fact that he broke his stick over his knee just like Bo Jackson, but, yeah, he's <laughs> not a guy that you want around right now. Uh, I'm not sure what, or, or an, at any point, really. Uh, i not sure that's the answer. But in fairness to Toronto media, there are teams that seem, you know, can't seem to help themselves and, and help out the Maple Leafs when they're in a tough spot. We saw it a couple times this summer, so, you know, you never know.
1: Yeah, if Carolina or Ottawa has somebody, they'll ship them their way to help them out. Sure. Um, let's. I want to get back to the Taylor Hall thing. If First of all, nobody gave me an answer one way or the other. If he was a Coyote, would he not be their best player ever? He had the potential to be. I mean, we're, we're going to getting into like Keith Kachuk territory. Right, yeah.
2: That's what I was going to say. It's
1: hard because you'd have to be comparing across eras. Yeah. Okay. The best player in the Glendale era. How's that? Is that fair? Yeah. Most talented, yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah. If um, if they were actually able to pull this off, we were trying to figure it out before the show. What, this is why I don't think it could happen. What could you actually give New Jersey to make that deal work if you're the Coyotes? Because there's going to be a bidding war if he really becomes available.
3: Well, obviously on Ranta since everyone wants to trade him <laughs> to New Jersey anyway. Yes, that's a given. Probably both goals. Uh, it's just first to help round Jersey. draft picks, some combination of picks. I, I, you know, I don't know what it looks like at this point. It's so preliminary to be discussing. I'm with you, Luke. I don't think Taylor Hall is going to end up with the Coyotes. I think there are other teams that are at the, the front of that list, but yeah, you'd, you'd have to examine what the acquisition cost is. You'd have to examine your ability to re-sign him and you'd have to examine whether you want to give Taylor Hall, a guy who will be 29 when that contract extension kicks in or that new contract kicks in uh, an eight or seven or eight year deal worth 10 or 11 million a season. What's it going to look like on the back end? Do you want to do that? I don't know. So there are a lot of people who think that Taylor Hall is that exception. I don't know. I don't. I, it, it requires a, a lot of thought and a lot of planning, and again, all, all those factors come into play that I just discussed.
0: The, the other thing that that's not that doesn't go in the Coyotes' favor in this scenario is you don't exactly have a big pool of assets that you can trade from. You don't have a ton of high-end prospects. You don't. You're not expected to be. A top five, top six draft pick this year. So when other teams are able to give them, well, if
1: you had Taylor Hall, you would get the number one pick, though.
0: Yeah, that's true. But like, I mean, so what are you gonna? What are you gonna realistically offer New Jersey that other teams couldn't beat?
1: Yep. The other yeah, thing I with think that's a good point. The other thing with that is I don't like Craig calling in and telling Jamie he's making good points from three thousand miles away. But the other thing about that is there are teams out there that I think would be willing to make a trade for Taylor Hall just as a rental for the the final however many months of the season. I, I, it's not like Chica wouldn't ever do that, but I feel like when mm-hmm. Chica makes a trade, he'd want him He'd want him beyond this year, which means yeah. that's a little bit tougher. I don't see that happening.
3: I don't, I, don't see, I don't think he would do it as a rental. I really don't.
1: But, you know, I, I agree with you, but I mean, there are certainly teams out there, like a team like Colorado, maybe, or a team like St. Louis that would just keep him as a rental. I mean... Yeah, if you're well, St. Louis trying to win your second straight cup, Pittsburgh would do it if they could afford it. Colorado seems to me to be one of the top options. Sure. They
0: have young defensive prospects that they can move from. They have picks. They have the money to re-sign him. They have plenty of cap yeah, they space. Have cap room. That yeah, seems to yeah. me like the easiest fit for what
1: New Jersey needs and what could be realistically done with a team in the West. And then Colorado's going to win the cup, and Jamie's going to have to apologize right. to it's everybody. A terrifying thought, right? Yeah, that would be that the team, can you imagine the most fun team to watch in the last? Like they would be so exciting. Mark Spector would still hate them and consider them boring too, but they would be the most exciting hockey team since like the Penguins back in 2016 when they just gave up defense and scored a lot. And let me just throw one more thing out there too, is that if you look at the Coyotes' existing roster,
2: Alex Goligoski is 34, Nicholas Jalmerson is 32, Jason Demers is 31. So if you trade away defensive prospects, you're hurting a pool that already lost Pierre-Olivier Joseph in the offseason. I mean, they have Victor Soderstrom, who I highly doubt that they would trade, They have Kevin Ball, but prospects are prospects for a reason. The Coyotes are going to need him eventually, too, and you don't want to just give him all away for a winger who might be a rental or cost you a significant portion of your salary cap percentage for a long time. And I know some Coyotes fans have tossed around uh, Ivan Prosvitov's name, and that's another one to me where it's like you're going to need these guys down the road. You don't want to just sell the farm just to get the, the, the sexy asset.
1: Well, for Taylor Hall, I mean, I would trade any of those guys probably, except the thing is... I would trade I would trade any of those guys if it meant if I knew for sure I was going to get to keep Hall and and well, the money
0: and seven for seventy or seven yeah. for seventy seven.
1: Well, the money for for me with him doesn't concern me as it, as much as it would with most wingers because he I mean he is a proven borderline forty goal scorer like he had ninety points two years ago on a team where nobody else was producing offense so I'm not worried about him but I'm not giving up like Jacob Chikrin for Taylor Hall. I, and I wouldn't give up Soderstrom unless I knew for sure Hall was going to be signed here long term so I just don't see a way the Coyotes can get it done well the other thing to consider here
2: too is that Taylor Hall's making 6 million dollars the Coyotes don't have that much cap space right now so they would have to figure that
3: out some way yeah they'd have to move out money yeah,
2: yeah without a doubt yeah i mean i imagine jersey would
0: would retain one year's worth of half salary if they needed to for the right deal but
3: look, right. look and there's, there's a lot of talk actually that they will be retaining some salary so but but it's still, down down the road, you have to look at it as well, the capital implications for the Coyotes.
0: My concern here, and, and I want to know what you guys thought. Yes, he had that two years ago. He had that 39-goal, 93-point season. But that let's be realistic. That's uncharacteristic for what he has been his entire career. Do you worry that he's more of a 30-goal, 70-point guy? And at that point, are you going to pay north of $10 million for that? Um, because even look, if you look at the next year, even though it was a shortened, he didn't play the whole season because he got hurt, he had 11 goals in 33 games. Like, he was more than a point per game player at that point, but it was only 11 goals. He's got four goals in 27 games this year. I mean, I know the Devils suck, but I mean, do you have any level of concern that you're paying the guy like he's a 40 90 guy when he might just be a 30 70 guy, and he only has one season where he's done that?
1: I'm pretty confident he's a 30 80 guy. So I guess that's sort of between what you're saying. Like, if I signed Taylor Hall, I would expect, at least for the next four or five years, that I'm getting about 30 to 34 goals and about 75 to 80 eight points or whatever I feel pretty confident in that but I don't think the Coyotes need to make that move whereas other teams might need to make the move and specifically a team like Colorado that can easily afford it that just seems like a no-brainer he's going to end up in Colorado and that team is going to be I don't know if they're going to be unstoppable but they're going to be really really fun to watch I'm going to talk about some other teams here No. Okay. How about Minnesota, who's making Uh, a playoff push? 7-0-3 in the last 10. Why did you
3: go there? Why did you go there? I
1: just wanted... It's in the notes, and I just wanted to get it out there and... Torturing us. Try and jinx it so it doesn't happen. Of all the teams... I think that's how we all feel. I I think that's how everybody feels, isn't it? Do we really want to watch Minnesota in the playoffs when there's all these fun teams in the West this year? No. But we never want to watch them in the playoffs. No. Um, Zach is playing better lately, so that's that's interesting. Good for him. He's a good player. Let's talk about Phil Kessel. And Craig's story is now up on The Athletic, which I would encourage everybody to read, even though Matt hasn't and I haven't yet. Whoa. I read (laughs) the quotes. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Craig, I want to let you know that Matt read the quotes but didn't, quote, did not read any of your actual writing.
2: Well, in my defense, I was on a time crunch. I found out that this Kessel story would be part of the assigned homework for this podcast. So I read the quotes to see what the players had to say. That's uh, that's all I have. I, what can I say?
3: It's okay. That's that's more than uh, Jeffrey Sanders from the Coyotes Media. That's like true. Yeah. does he reads you know the first three graphs above the gray as we call it, and then you know, I think at, at that point he decides whether he's going to put it in the clips or not.
1: I well, yeah. like this new theory or this new plan of just attacking random yeah well, supporters I mean, of the podcast. Well, he,
0: he gets to the point in the story where it says you have to download
1: the app to continue
0: reading, and then he just shuts
1: it off. And then well, at that point, yeah, who wants to download the app? Uh, I'm going to read Craig's story right after the show. Actually, there actually, was a time crunch today because. Phil Kessel, from what I've learned covering the team this year, it's not he's not the easiest guy to get to talk to, but when you talk to him, he typically gives you some pretty good stuff. And, and I would assume, Craig, without giving anything away in your story, you had a similar experience.
3: Yeah, and that's that's the guy, whenever I've requested him this year, that's the guy that I've seen. He's been terrific with me, and he was, as I said in, in the tweet that I put out to promote this story, uh, he didn't hide from it. He didn't hide from it at all. He was just blunt and honest about the fact that he's not getting it done right now and it and it's killing him it's it hurts him simply because he knows he was brought here to produce he wants to help the team he's happy the team's winning without him but it also means something to him that he's doing this with Rick Tockett as his coach because that's his good friend and that's a guy who in a sense went out on a limb to bring him here
1: yeah how crazy is it that the Coyotes go out and they add Phil Kessel and they get a lot better but it's not been because of phil kessel yet like we talked about this earlier in the season the points or the goals weren't there in the first i don't know month of the season but he was still doing everything right but he hasn't been playing as well lately for whatever reason we can speculate all you want but they are winning these games They're if they win tonight they're in first place in the division and it's been with very little production from kessel and very little consistent production from keller who i think most people anticipated would be their top two point producers this season
3: yeah, it's it's, uh, it's interesting to think what would happen to this team or what could happen to this team if those two guys get it going. And, and let's, let's not forget Oliver ekman Larson as well. I mean, those are three really important pieces that haven't really played up to their standards. Now, now caution, I would caution, I wouldn't say that Bill's not doing anything. He I, he clearly draws attention away from other players on this team and opens up opportunities for them. I still think he's a terrific passer. We've seen, you know, he, he's had some struggles with passing, particularly on the power play where – and he mentioned it in the story that he hasn't made great plays there, but we've seen some of those great passes in other instances. And and then, you, you know, it's it's really hard to quantify what he means to the team off the ice. But, I mean, you guys are around it. You see how much he's he hangs out with the younger guys on this team, and they seem to be having a lot of fun. And Clayton Keller talked about that in the story as well. So all those things are, are positives for Phil Kessel, even though he's not scoring goals right now.
1: It would be fitting if he got going with the goal-scoring on Friday in Pittsburgh, I mean, I guess it would have been. How do you feel
3: about that, Luke?
1: I, I would look. How whatever gets Phil Kessel on the score sheet more consistently, because I do think he still, I still think he has the potential to be their best offensive weapon. I think it's either him or Nick Schmaltz, and even Schmaltz hasn't been scoring goals a lot lately. He's been producing offense, but I mean, for this team to ultimately win playoff series this year, they're going to need Phil Kessel scoring at. I don't know, a 25 goal per 82 game pace. I mean, he doesn't have to finish this year with 25 goals, but he's got to be scoring like that in March and April and into the playoffs if they make the playoffs. So if he wants to get going against the Penguins, that's fine.
2: Well,
0: and look, it's mentioned in the story as well, and it's it's too simplistic to use this as the only excuse because it's not the only excuse. But he's also shooting like five point something percent.
1: Jamie's half just his... showing off that he read the story.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I, I read the story. He's shooting half his career percentage, uh, half his what do you normally would in his career shooting percentage. Like that's been a factor too. And and, and again, it, as it, as it says in the article, you got, you know, you two wouldn't know this because you didn't read it. But as it says in the article, and, and Kessel talks
1: about, I don't need to. We've been to a every lot game. Those,
0: again. The, the shot that hit the post, the shot in the San Jose game that goes wide. I mean, no, more often than not. Those are going in for Phil Kessel. I've seen career. Phil
1: Kessel at least twice this season. The puck comes to him on like an empty net on a rebound or whatever, and he's whiffed on the puck. like Just completely fanned, yeah. looking like a guy that just desperately wants a goal to go in to get going again. This is one of the best offensive weapons in the NHL over the last 10 years. So it just shows how even the best players can lose their confidence a little bit. And it feels like and I don't know if this is true or not, but it's, it sort of sounds like it based on what Craig's saying it seems like he's sort of lost a little bit of confidence in his shot. Not that it wouldn't come back with a two-goal game, but at this exact moment, I never thought I'd see Phil Kessel miss an empty net because he missed the puck, you know?
3: Yeah, and I think another, by the way, there's another story up on the Athletic that Dom LaFusion wrote as well that's sort of a deep dive analyzing what's going on with Phil. And there's some interesting findings in there as well, including, you know, how many rush opportunities he's had this season, what, what that's a product of. I'm not sure he's not getting as many by the numbers, whether that's personnel, whether that's, you know, something in the system, as Dom suggests, Rick Tocket doesn't think so, is that some guys underperforming like OEL, not, you know, moving pucks the way he has in the past, you, there are a lot of potential uh, problems there, but right now the numbers say what they say, so th- that's worth a read as well.
0: And, and I think another note in that story that I also read that you guys also didn't read uh, that is that kind of what we talked about on the podcast early in the season, that the Stepon-Keller-Kessel line were generating a lot of opportunities and were just quite frankly, for lack of a better phrase, unlucky for a large portion of that stretch where they should have produced way more goals. They were expected to produce way more goals based on what they did in those situations than they actually produced. And they've, bro- they've broken up that line since, and at least in that story that Dom L., El- let call him Dom L., El- uh, wrote that he hasn't found the same level, at least expected success with other line mates yet.
1: Uh, looking around the Pacific Division, I mentioned this, if the Coyotes win tonight, they'll be in first place because Edmonton just lost to Ottawa last night. But- yeah, <laughs> that was a shocker, huh? Yes. Anthony yes.
3: DuClair, who I- you gave a shout out to last night, Jamie. I did, 11 I goals. 11 goal.
1: I'm starting to buy, I- I'm
0: doing it again. I'm buying back into the Anthony DuClair hype. So you I- I- have to I-
1: save me. I root for DuClair. I don't know why. I just do. He's- he was like the nicest guy in the world when he was here. Um- yeah. Vegas and San Jose are definitely two teams to look out for in the Pacific. San Jose just lost the other night, but they had won 11 of 13 prior to that. And Vegas it looks a lot more like the Vegas team. We all expected... I don't remember what, what Jamie's Stanley Cup prediction was, but Craig and I both had Vegas in the Cup, did I
0: had them there as well.
1: Matt, what was your Stanley Cup prediction? I don't know that I gave one. Well, you mm-hmm. can make up anything right now, then. <sighs> Otherwise, we'll Maple, vote in for you, Maple Detroit. Leafs
2: and Blackhawks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, you, you didn't have
2: to tell us that one mm, um, Well, well I, I'm kidding before anyone kills me I mean, I mean I'd mean, i like to
3: see that You know personally I'd like to see that But When
0: yeah, they do a consolation bracket excited.
1: Someday you'll hey, be able to How about to the
3: Blackhawks it. by the way they How about them score. they don't score anymore I don't have a bell Matt, we do. And Thank you. Matt's in your chair. He's got the bell. Thank you very much. And Duncan Keith's out. Uh, you know what could go wrong on that blue line without Duncan Keith? Well, on the bright
1: side, you're second to last in the Western Conference. And the brighter side, you get to play Boston in Boston. That's that's a lock of a win. Here, <laughs> I'm trying to pull up just some random. A team that has not lost in regulation at home this season. Ooh, I have ESPN's power rankings right here. I haven't read them at all, oh, so I'm just going to scroll down. Oh, I'm God. just going to keep scrolling.
0: By the way, one thing, quick quick thing to note when you as you're scrolling, those, Chicago's 27. The, Vegas is getting Mark Andre Flurry back. It looks like. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing.
1: They've been doing this without their number one goalie. Which, if you watched Vegas last year, they played Flurry too much. It's basically like we were just talking about before Craig came on with what Toronto's doing with Freddie Anderson this year. Except Vegas didn't have to do it last year, so I don't know why they did it. But now they've been forced to go to Subban, and he's played well. And so now, you if you're Vegas, you probably feel more confident in your backup goalie, and Flurry's a little more rested. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about I'm not, Vegas.
3: Uh, yeah, um, yeah, they need Flurry. Uh, I'm, I'm not sold on Malcolm Suven, to be honest. Uh, even against the Coyotes, I, I know he had a good result, but there are a lot of issues with that technique. Uh, I'm not convinced that he is uh, going to be a dependable backup long-term.
1: Yeah. Really? Not even a backup?
3: Mm, I, I, like I said, I, I just saw a lot of issues with his technique.
1: But what about the fact that Fleury actually hasn't played all 30 games like he did last year at this point?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's that's obviously a positive. Hey, look. Look at Vegas' track record when their goalies get hurt, though. I mean, they went to the cup final the first time they did it. so true. true.
1: And they they were on their eighth string goalie. Right? Right? What's Oscar Dance evidence, do it? isn't doing? Yeah. yeah. They were bringing up guys from, like, Bantam League. Yeah, they
0: literally brought up some dude from like the WHL at one point. And, and
1: he stepped right in and had to play and I think he won. Yeah, Malcolm just put that on his jersey, some dude.
2: <laughs> some
3: dude from the, <laughs> w- the WHL.
2: Malcolm Subban does have a, a 926 save percentage in the last 5 games the, the Golden Knights have played without Marc-André Fleury, but they're also averaging more than 3 goals per game as an offense since then. They've scored a
1: lot of goals in this silver mm-hmm. stretch. Yeah, here. they're waking up. All right, let's um try to make some sense of Dallas. Let me give you their numbers, okay? They started 1 wow, 7.
3: Arizona and Dallas in the same segment I'm a part of. I know. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah,
1: we saved them for you. We've
0: lost all our listeners.
1: Thank you. Uh, okay, so Dallas started 1 7 and 1. Then they went on a 14 1 1 run. And now they've lost their last four. What is this a playoff team? What is this?
3: I. I... I, I don't know. It,
0: it's like they're trying to progress and regress to the mean all at the same time. Like they can't just be what they are. This is probably what they are, 15, 11, and 3. Yeah, That's fine probably with that. what they are. Yeah. Just don't look at how they got there.
1: <laughs> Win every game for two weeks, lose every game for two weeks. Um, would you rather, let's play this game on the Ooh. show, would you rather have Dallas in the playoffs or Minnesota in the playoffs? Dallas. Dallas. Not Dallas. Yeah, Dallas. no Me doubt. No doubt.
2: Uh, not Just real quick here, a note that actually came down uh, not, not long ago while we were recording. Um, Alex Radulov is going to be a healthy scratch tonight yes. for the Dallas Stars. Ooh.
1: Yes. Wow. And so it was all his fault, apparently. Um, Dallas and Minnesota in a playoff matchup. How many minutes would you watch of the first game?
0: Uh, I don't know. I won't be able to find CNBC
1: on my channel list. No, it would be like... I that. can answer that Zero. <laughs> That game would be shown on like MySpace.
0: That's the game they stick, that's yeah, that that's the game that they like, stick at that
1: weird seven thirty Eastern spot between a seven o'clock game and an eight o'clock game, so yeah. you really don't have to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh there's a commercial you could tune in for forty five seconds yeah, of like, Dallas Minnesota. Yeah, like they'll
0: do a live look in during like the first intermission of the first game and then you never have to care again.
1: And then it'll just be Zach Parisi like, how did we get here? looking around with the confused look on his face. <laughs> uh let's see, what else can we talk about with Craig? Craig specifically said he doesn't want to be here for the listener questions, so we're gonna save him from those Apparently, uh, how about Connor Hellebuck? Oh, to the audience,
3: <laughs> <laughs> Connor Hellebuck's been unbelievable, right? He's just unbelievable. Look at the goal saved above average. The just look at it inside the numbers. He's been he's been the biggest. I think Paul Maurice said it the other day when asked how much credit he deserves. Basically, said all of it. He's been spectacular, and, and I didn't know. I didn't know if he could do this. If he could sustain this, but he has been, I would say, I, I would say he's been the best goalie in the league.
2: Yeah, I was, I have jotted down this note because uh, Luke had asked, you know, is he getting enough consideration for the Vesna Trophy? I, I think of the of the goalies that are in the Vesna conversation right now, is he the the one that's the most valuable to his team? Because I would say he probably is.
0: The only reason I would say it was him because Antti Ranta exists. So I think that hurts a little bit of like yeah. – because the reality is for the, – the Coyotes need Darcy Kemper to be as good as he's been. But there is a legitimate option behind him and there's a legitimate option behind Tuka Rask. So I guess in that sense, yes.
2: Well, and there's also performance versus expectation because the Coyotes sure. have have a good defensive structure, and that's where they emphasize a lot of the way that they construct their roster. But and coming into the best s- defenseman is suspended, ex- instead exactly. Of sitting at home. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Coming into the season, the question about the Jets was the blue line, and now they're getting a fantastic save percentage from their goalie. Like that's huge. Palmieri owes so much to Connor Hellebuck. It's not like
1: saved his has made job made
0: millions of least dollars already. Yeah, thanks to Connor Hellebuck in his career.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, cause it, I'm going to leave you with one last thought, guys, because I have to hop here. Since you brought up Auntie Ranta, after the Columbus game, we walk into the locker room for post-game interviews, and there's there's a side room where all the players can hang out, and it, it's not even the training room, but they're they're in that room, and they're all shouting and having a blast, but you can't go in there. It's not the locker room. So we walk into the locker room. Literally the only two players in the locker room are Darcy Kemper and Auntie Ranta. <laughs> we we want to talk to Darcy Kemper, obviously, because he played, but Ranta looks at us. We're all walking past, and he says, You guys need me? I mean, there's nobody else around. I'll talk if you want me. (laughs) Has kept his sense of humor throughout this. Absolutely love the guy.
1: Which is why we have to trade him to New Jersey before the Coyotes have too much success, right? Yeah, yeah.
3: All right, boys, I have to hop. Thanks for having me in. All right, Craig. Thanks for filling in and and bringing uh, some donut balls.
2: Donut spheroids. Yeah, he said spheroids. Oh,
3: yeah, I haven't even heard
1: that one. These are for astronauts, that's awkward, apparently. Man. That's that's kind of awkward, actually. <laughs> All right, Craig, enjoy Philadelphia. I know I would if I was there.
3: <laughs> See you guys. See you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could have seen the look that Luke just gave. I wish. We need this to be a video podcast at um,
1: some point. Someday. Yeah, Connor Hellebuck in the 2017-18 season is why Winnipeg, well, they made the Western Conference Finals that year, right? Yeah. And coming into that Season there was talk of Paul Maurice being the first coach fired, although I believe he got an extension right before that season, so that kind of went out the window. But he saved him. Um, I would still take Kemper for the Vesna at this point. He's got a sub two goals against average. I know the defense in front of him is better, but the defense in front of him also doesn't have Nicholas Jalmerson But it is interesting if we get to a point at the end of the like, let's say the season ended right now. Don't you think Hellebuck would probably get more votes than Kemper specifically because he has dragged a Canadian team into a playoff spot?
0: I think it would be close, but I also think that the expectation, a lot of this is, it's not quite the coach of the year, but a lot of it is expectation versus performance. performance, And I do think that Arizona still flies under the radar for most of the country.
1: So then Kemper.
0: Then I think Kemper would would win. I still think Kemper actually would win because I think people are going to attribute, especially with Phil Castle's struggles, and especially when they look on paper and they see who is scoring for them, that they're going to attribute Arizona's success fairly rightfully so, to Darcy Kemper, as much as they're contributing Halibut's success for Winnipeg.
1: And that's the thing, too. I mean, it is a good point that the Coyotes obviously have a better defense than, than the Jets do. I mean, everybody... Significantly. Was, but the Coyotes don't have Patrick Laine or Mark Scheifele or Kyle Connor or all these guys that Winnipeg has. And it's Blake not... Wheeler. It's Yeah, it's not why they're winning, because Halibut's keeping the puck out of the net. That's why they're winning. But Winnipeg has a lot of offensive weapons that a lot of teams don't have. That's not just, oh, the Coyotes don't have those guys like... I don't know, I'd say seventy-five percent of the teams in the league wish they had the firepower up front that Winnipeg did. The I've... top,
0: the top three right now has to be right. It's Kemper, Hellebuck, and Rask. Yeah, or, or is there anybody else that? I, I, mean, s- I mean, there's other guys that are good, but I don't think anybody else can sneak in that top mm-hmm. three.
2: Yeah, I, just kind of going back to that question, my personal opinion, if the season ended today, I do think Halibut would win it for the reason that that Luke mentioned, uh, that it's a it's a guy dragging a Canadian team into the playoffs, but also for the reason I mentioned. I mean, legitimately, as we've discussed, Winnipeg's defense um, just doesn't match up to what the Coyotes have, so Halibut is doing it more on his own, and like I said, if the guys in the conversation can I would have to say Hellebuck has been the most valuable to his team.
0: No, I, I would agree with that completely. I do think people, though, use that defense and all the other stuff selectively. Like last year, yeah. it didn't matter that Ben Bishop played 17 games and had a great defense in front of him and a great structure. He still got it. So, yeah. like, i never sure. The Canadian factor is absolutely true. I mean, if there's anything that's going to happen, it's going to be in favor of a Canadian goalie. But part of me goes, I I never am sure when that excuse is going to be used or when it's not going to be
1: used. The the other thing working against a guy like Kemper, like if the finalists were Kemper, Rask, and Hellebuck, it is, and I don't remember which one of you guys said this because the two of you are blurring together into one for me at this point, but they could easily use the argument of Kemper's part of one of the two best goalie tandems in hockey and Rask is part of the other best goalie tandem in hockey. I mean, Yaroslav Halak's been amazing. And Laurent Bursa is... A guy is, who has, has an eight eighty five percent. he owns goalie equipment and yes. was asked to play occasionally. <laughs> uh, okay, are we ready for listener questions or anything else in the the notes?
0: Uh, we should. I mean, we should talk about the coaching change in Calgary. Probably.
1: Okay. Yeah, so that was. When's the last time we did a podcast? That was a while ago. I was. Um, okay, was so like Calgary. Nine days ago. Yeah, it was before Black Friday. That's all I remember because then the chaos of shopping was. Yeah. Uh, okay, so. Are you, are you
0: a shop-to-you-drop guy? Because I feel like you use Black Friday as a, as a line of delineation and not Thanksgiving.
1: No, I only used it as line of delineation because I went to an Italian deli on my way to the Coyotes game, and I had to wait in line because of all the Black Friday shoppers.
2: At, at the deli?
0: Were yes. they having
1: half-off sandwiches? or? Well, it was more I had to wait to find parking, and I almost uh, witnessed oh. a great parking lot fight. It was, Ooh, it, was, it was. was. Last year, a friend of mine witnessed a parking lot fight on i don't know if it was black friday or the day after in which somebody pulled out a sledgehammer at one point that's T- intense was
0: triple h just out there just like <laughs> hitting people like i don't understand well, maybe
1: they just bought the sledgehammer half off at home Depot that's true, that's I, true. I just want
0: i want to explore Delhi having half off prices because that that's a black friday deal i can get no by. the
1: Delhi didn't have a deal jamie i got charged full it, well, price it needs to but i couldn't even for you did, did you tell them who you were I, I assume if people don't know, it's not worth my time to tell them. Yes. By but, the
0: way, that's a true story because Luke will literally will not tell people who he is to like get free things, or even into the building in the Hilly River Arena. Sometimes that's true. That one story I forgot about. That almost <laughs> got it's locked like, out of the arena. He's like, uh, Luke, you 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 work there. You could tell him that you work there. No, like, no,
1: no, no. I'll just I'll just I don't know. I'll sit outside in the cold. It's not my style. Uh, yeah. So the flames make that change, which um, as the story unfolded was pretty clear they were going to have to. Yeah. And I'm I'm. I don't want to say I'm surprised it took as long as it did, but this is what's this is what's weird to me. And you're gonna to have to follow what I'm saying here before you get angry if you're listening. But Bill Peters obviously deserved to be fired, or I guess the better way to put it is deserved to never have that job in the first place. Because he didn't get fired for anything he did in Calgary. He got fired for stuff he did before he got yeah, to Calgary. And he
0: might have been fired for for his performance in Calgary. But once the other stuff true. came out, which way more important
1: than anything that you're gonna do on the ice. But what's crazy, and I don't know, I don't even know what to make of this. If Toronto doesn't go on a six-game losing streak, Mike Babcock doesn't get fired. If Babcock doesn't get fired, the stuff with Peters doesn't come out, when it did, at least. So there's a real good chance that if Toronto didn't go on a six-game losing streak, Calgary wouldn't have fired Bill Peters. Ah, the butterfly hmm. effect. Yeah. It's just weird. That's a good point. I don't know what to do with it. It's I just mean, been bothering me It's for interesting
0: women. to note. I don't know what you do anything with it. I think... In light of the information that we have, that both decisions were the correct decisions that were made, and now very we're very clearly. glad that they are both not coaching the teams that they are coaching, and will likely never coach in the NHL again.
1: Yeah, Peters never will, and I'm starting to agree with. I'm starting uh, to think Magpok won't either. not either. Yeah. So,
0: look, it, it's a move that had to be made. If you if you ha- we're not going to rehash everything that went into why the decision was made. It was very public. It's very access very accessible. You can see what happened there. It's the right decision. And look, hockey has a long way to go with a lot of things. It's not just It's not just the racial stuff, which is obviously a a component, a huge component to what happened here. And we've discussed this on the show a lot about access to the game, barrier of entry into the game, uh, the way African-American players are treated or African-Canadian players are treated in the league. Wayne Simmons has been very open about the issues there. We've talked about the bananas being thrown on the ice and in preseason games.
1: It's 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 unimaginable to me that that happens ever but uh, after like 1850.
0: This sport has, it, again, it still has an underlying racial issue. It has an underlying xenophobic issue. I mean, we have discussed all of this. Ad, ad nauseum. A lot of it's come to light this year. And, and, but it's yep. been there. And I think that oh, yeah, n- been there. now people are doing things about it with Don Cherry, with some of these other, but it's been there. And then on the other side is the little bit of the, the toxic issues that we have seen across all sports with coaches and the way that they act, whether it's from high school football to the NHL, where. Stuff that was, well, it's just part of being a man or just part of playing the sport in the 70s and 80s. It's not a ex- man voice. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it's just not acceptable anymore. It's just not an acceptable way. It's not It's not how we do things in society. And, and we have evolved past that point. So there are a couple different things that come into play with these coaches. These, it's a very complicated mess of infractions, for lack of a better phrase.
2: Yeah, and I, you touched on an important thing there that I think may become a, a factor in this down the road, which is that – there there's been talk about you know or at least i've heard it on maybe podcasts I listen to or discussions that I have with people about you know where is that line because part of what i've you know maybe heard players say is that when a coach pushes you hard and maybe to the part where to the point where it makes you uncomfortable, they push you as an individual they they challenge you they make you uncomfortable they 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 get in your head right sometimes that can be a tremendous motivator and a tremendous way to shape somebody's character. Where it crosses the line is when it starts to get personal, where it starts to be abusive, right? And we all know that. But I, the point I'm trying to make here is that if if you get to the point where coaches don't feel like they have the opportunity to be a coach and be a motivator, that's a problem too. It, it look, it is an absolutely. It's a fine line you
0: have it's to walk. It's a great
1: question because i been is. wondering that they we haven't we've come nowhere near that line yet. The the two guys that have been fired in the last couple weeks clearly deserved it, right? But yes. there is going to be a point where we're going to push too far. But we're just nowhere near it yet,
0: look the mm-hmm. reality is when it comes to physical physicality, there is a line that's pretty clear like you, you can't i mean yeah, you, you we, can't you can't start walking around the locker room and start smacking guys in the head or what
1: I mean no, nineteen we, we can't get to the point where we get to you know five years from now and players are like, I don't like this coach because he told me I wasn't playing well no yeah. I,
0: but but again, and when we talk about an emotional line. Which is again extremely difficult to define. It's something that is, is going to come up across sports at different periods of time, but I, you, I think to me is you're going to have to figure out. I mean, the reality is it's going to be tougher for coaches, but some of it is deservedly tougher. You're they're going to have to rely on being a little bit more nuanced. They're going to have you have to
1: evolve yes, as a coach. Yeah, like, I mean, just understand the era you coach in.
0: There's there's a, like the, for example again make a cross sport reference when Tom Coughlin would game to the Giants. Players hated Tom Coughlin because he would do stupid things like he would say the meetings at eight o'clock and if you showed up at eight o'clock he would fine you for being late. Yeah, because he meant you, if you say eight o'clock you're supposed to be there at seven fifty five.
1: Which is like this podcast. We said ten o'clock. I showed up at ten. Everybody got on me for being late. Actually, I was here at 9.58. I, I never said anything about you being late, Jamie. Just in general. This time, Jamie and Craig will set the podcast. For, it'll be like nine o'clock, and Craig will get here at four forty in the morning, and then just be waiting for four and a half hours, and Jamie will show up at like eight thirty and be like, "Well, where were you?" And then I'll get here at eight thirty one because I'm always early. I mean
0: f- fair except for the last point
1: but yeah. well, I figured throw but, a lie in there
0: but, but uh, look th- there's a point of when you're doing things to intentionally emotionally abuse somebody and there are times when you're just yelling at somebody yeah. like I mean I, I, and I think that with it, you have to it's always going to be a case by case basis and a player by player basis but Matt has a point in the sense of it can't just be across the board of where okay well if anybody says anything negative to me then I can't operate cuz
1: some players respond better to that in the sense that you can't Certain players just play better angry and a good coach knows, hey, I got to call this guy out for playing terribly. Maybe I have to call him out in front of his teammates. I mean, that's as far as it should go. The physical stuff and the, and the the mental games, that's idiotic.
0: There's a difference between being stern and being hard on a player and being abusive. And I think for the most part, people in their own minds can figure out where that
2: line is, I think.
1: You would think. Well, people you?
0: can,
2: but, but there's a difference between what I think is OK and what I think other people is going to think is OK. There's been talk of implementing a code of conduct in the NHL and having courses and teaching people what you can and can't do. If they do that and if the league goes that route, you have to clearly define what that line is, because then you're removing the power of coaches to be coaches. And, and me personally, like, I, I don't know what the answer is. Obviously, you can't use racial slurs and hit no, people. But, but, but it's saying, you, hey, it, you sucked
0: out there. Tonight. Right, is that abusive? Right. I don't think can so. Can you call somebody
2: a name? Can you call them weak? can you call them soft? Is that too, like is that abusive? Like it it depends on who you ask and that's the important piece here is that yeah. somebody has to define that line because if we let everybody define it themselves people are going to define it differently one person's going to get upset and we're going to have another problem on our hands yes. again.
0: But I think we've clearly established aside from that part obviously physicality racial slurs yes, ethnic absolutely. slurs anything of that nature the stuff that's really come out in this scenario is clearly so far beyond the line that you don't even have to
1: consider that's an instant instant firing all right we have about three minutes to get through all these listener questions Are you ready yes Coach East jack if you were chica would what deal package would you put together in an attempt to acquire taylor hall there's a lot of questions like this so we're just going to answer this one um and that'll be all the taylor hall questions and i don't know yet honestly i know we touched on this a little bit earlier I, I, if i'm chica i'm making a deal for a guy that i'm keeping beyond this year i can't imagine like i said earlier i can't imagine chica going out there and and paying much of anything for a rental. I just don't know that the Coyotes are at that point. I do think they could run through the Western Conference this year if both goalies are healthy, but I don't think they're looking to make moves to try and win the Cup this year and only this year.
0: And I think a rental price for Taylor Hall is not going to be enough to get it done. Somebody's going to trade them more and try to resign them long term.
2: Former Coyotes captain Shane Doan was on Burns and Yebo yesterday on 98.7, and they asked him about Taylor Hall, and he said that he didn't think that uh, a team should go out and acquire a piece like that unless they're already a playoff team. He said, you need your core to get you to the playoffs. You need to add a guy to get you to win the Stanley Cup. You don't add a guy just to get into the playoffs. That was his take, paraphrasing, That's
1: fair. of course. That's, yeah. uh, I would I agree with that. give up a lot to do that. But Absolutely. I think the Coyotes should view themselves as a playoff team right now. They could be in first place and... Seven yeah. hours or whatever. Yeah. Um, do you think Keller? This is from Booper. Do you think Keller's new deal has been the reason for his lack of production? What is there to motivate him at this point? I don't think he worries much about getting scratched, and he is set up now for a few years. Yes, I know he's young, but that has nothing to do with effort.
0: So we were talking about this a little bit on the show, and, and I'm not going to exonerate Clayton Keller because, again, my expectations for him are sky high. I mean, I believe he has the talent to be a true first-liner in the NHL to be a true point-per-game player. Again, not the season, but the potential.
1: I would say Jamie but, is higher on Keller than anybody on the show yes. without, so, without Matt. I don't know what Matt's— so that, Jamie thinks he could be a 90-point guy. In his
0: career at some point but the point I want to the point I want to make here is that he so he shouldn't well, be I exonerated. To get Matt's
1: feelings we don't know Matt's like what, what do you think the ceiling is for Keller? He's gonna say
0: something mean about well
1: him. I'll say this
2: I think that your seal ceil- when you take when you're considering who what a ceiling is for a player you have to take into consideration not just his physical attributes but who he is as a person and I'm not saying that Clayton Keller is a bad guy or he doesn't try or anything like that but I'm just saying that you have to take into consideration what we've seen from him already when evaluating what his ceiling is. And he scored 65 points his rookie year, 47 points last year. And I think that there's room for him to do more this year. So I, I don't know. I, I guess projecting, I go off of past performance, I think his ceiling right now, as from what I've seen from him, is 65 yeah, points. Yeah, and to be clear, I'm not talking about this
0: season. I'm talking yeah. about in his prime, in his peak, right. what he could do. But he's not, I'm not exonerating him from the, the lack of points I think he should be getting this year. However, as I said before the show and off the air, we've talked about this, that I think a lot of it is he was under-criticized the first two years of his career, and people are kind of catching up now, where he hasn't been quite as bad as people are acting now, but they're making up for lost time, for lack of a
1: I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I think people, and Jamie knows this because I, I talked about it both on the podcast and off the podcast two years ago, when he was having a good rookie season and people were treating him like he was Tame Mussolini's rookie year, like he was having... A good rookie season. And that was it. So people were way too high on him two years ago. But I do think people are a little hard on him now. So Jamie's right. I think it's it's sort of evening out in a weird way. It's like Dallas. They, they win 14. They lose 14 in a row. I don't think Keller has been terrible this year. But, I mean, he's on pace for 48 points this year. He had 47 last year. It's not enough. I, I Honestly, I... Again, he should be he's playing with Phil Kessel. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I, who do you need to play with before? Because like last year, you could look and say, who is he really set up with? You know what I mean? And it's not, it's not like he's playing with a true elite center. I get that, but at a certain point, and I guess that point really kicks in next year. If you're going to be paid the way he is for as long as he is, you have to generate your own offense. Yeah, at it some shouldn't point. matter who you're playing. Well, and yes. to
2: go back to the original question is, do you think that the, the that his contract is part of why he's performing the way he is. Well, he had 47 points last year before he signed his extension. Yeah. So that's kind of my answer to that. But also you look at some of the, the advanced metrics, so to speak, scoring chances and shot attempts or you know, high danger scoring chances, things like that. I mean, he's up there on the Coyotes. We talk about Phil Kessel getting the chances. Clayton Keller's getting them too. But yeah, I think there's a lot of room for improvement with him. And I, I you know, 65 points so far is the ceiling for him. And he went stretches in that rookie year, even when he did score 65 points. A lot of those were very Consolidated into short
0: periods, yeah, October
1: and the end of the year. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean he went prolonged stretches. So it, it look it's a problem. Like you, you're now he's now being paid. I guess next year he's now being paid for
2: production, not potential.
1: Mm-hmm. He's he's going to be paid next year like the Coyotes' best offensive weapon, and I don't think he's one of their top three or four best That's offensive problem. weapons in
2: my opinion since john shika has been in arizona signing him to that extension was the most high risk move i've yep. seen from this general manager.
1: shika doesn't typically take a lot of risks even getting a guy like kemper he gave up two guys that were never going to play here yep. getting a guy like carl soderberg who might be their mvp right now outside of the goalies he gave up nothing shike you have to take risks at some point so i'm not saying that the decision to sign keller was something you shouldn't do but i'm with matt it's the riskiest Riskiest move Chica has made so far because I don't know, like do you do you ever feel like late in the game, okay, the coyotes need a goal, who's gonna get it for him? Do you ever feel like Keller's just gonna take the puck from the other team and go down the ice and no, score? Not once. And, not and once in his career. That to me that's not gonna change next year. Right.
2: There's like there's that like kinda eye test factor of just like, does this guy really, really heavily impact the game? Like Nick Schmaltz has made some wow plays for me this yeah. year. Clayton Keller has that ability, but is he is he constantly like right in
1: the middle of the action and making those game breaking plays? I think there's more room for that for him. I guess as far as the question of if that's, that's why he's not producing as much this year, I don't think that's the case. But what's interesting now is he's going to have to be self-motivated because the deal's not the lack of a deal is not going to motivate him for the rest of this year or next year. You know what I mean? Like He's not playing for his big money deal because he's already got well,
0: it. And also the hope is now that the rest of the hockey world has caught up to Clinton Keller's struggles that maybe that provides some extra motivation at some point. Because let's be fair, he was coddled. And I don't, I don't care what talk it says. He was coddled the first two years of his career by the organization, by his coach.
1: Well, he made the All-Star team last year. I, I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah,
0: well, I, I, I can't say anything nice about that. So uh, he's got plenty of talent, but maybe him not being as coddled by everybody around him and there being actual legitimate criticism coming from from sources because there wasn't really any his rookie year and there wasn't any last year. There were some. I mean, we we threw our barbs, justifiably so. But most places did not. They they can't hide his struggles much longer.
1: But I also think the effort has been there more yes, this year I was correct, than that. it was the first and two it has, years. Which yeah. that's,
0: that's what I mean by where people are catching up. Where The effort was a bigger issue the last two years than it's been this year, and people are just trying to kind of catch back up to where it's been. I Cra- think
2: I think he's better this year at some of those things away from the puck or forechecking playing defense. I think he's made improvements in those areas.
1: I think he learned... And Craig asked him this before last season. Coming off that the really good rookie year, he was like, are you are you ready for the league to adjust to you and i don't want to i don't want to paraphrase what keller said but it was essentially the impression was you know maybe he wasn't expecting the league to adjust right. he was just kind of like yeah i'm just going to do my thing
2: but there wasn't going to be a sophomore slump
1: yeah and the league adjusted in a big a big way and even last year he didn't have the 65 points he had the 47 points they all again came in october and then like certain stretches the biggest thing for me is if you're going to be a 50 point guy that's fine like at a certain point we'll we'll look past it and say if he's only a 50-point guy, then yeah, he's going to be overpaid next year. But as long as you spread those 50 points out. 50 points is 50 points. I'll take him, uh, Christina, what does Fisher love about Columbus so much? The cannon. <laughs> I, he's a beast in yeah. Columbus. Hattrick hat-trick last year. Could have had five goals, I counted, this year in the game on... Uh, on what night was that? Tuesday night? Mm-hmm. I don't know what day it is. Uh, ended up with one, but could have had at least three very... Easily four or five. All right. Christmas meal. Turkey, ham, or prime rib?
0: Uh, prime rib.
1: I'm going to go yeah, ham. You should have
0: prime rib and ham are usually the two that, that are on, the, on display. This
1: makes me just want, like, ribs for dinner on Christmas, but that's not mm. really... I don't live can, in Louisiana. You can do whatever
2: you want. I right? guess that's true. You're, you're, you're an adult. But I would go ham. We just always had ham on Christmas. I don't know. I wasn't familiar with prime rib as a common Christmas option.
1: Matt looks confused that this is even a question to be honest if if people could see the look on matt's face well
2: as i said we just always had ham i didn't it's like you know how about you know chicken salad on thanksgiving it's like well we always had turkey you know what i mean like i i didn't know that maybe this is there's a big contingency of people who have prime rib on christmas
1: uh gilbert writes in and i couldn't agree less gilbert finally some great analysis now that jamie eisner is back checks in the mail false uh coyote in philly What's the best Christmas movie that isn't Die Hard or Christmas Vacation? I'm not the person to answer this question.
2: I barely watch movies, and Christmas movies don't do it for me. I'm a big Home Alone guy. Okay.
1: Home Alone's good. Yeah. Have you ever seen Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds and Amy Smart? No. Very underrated. It's based in Christmas in New Jersey, so obviously it's oh, good. Oh, so,
0: yeah. That's, um, that movie's well,
1: hilarious. It's not really intended to be a Christmas movie, but it's the whole thing is built around Christmas. So I would say Christmas Vacation, though, side note, is the best. So... The fact that you took it out of the conversation is what yeah, made me it, actually it's think. It's
0: probably Hulk Hogan, Santa with Muscles. That's probably my my favorite.
1: <laughs> if you really had to go if on I, the if record If I had with to like,
0: pick one of them, yeah.
1: Um, Dan writes in, it seems like everybody's salivating over the prospect of landing Hall. I'm not so enamored with the idea. Considering what New Jersey's likely asking for, am I the only one? That's just a different way to look at the Hall question.
0: Gotta, <laughs> gotta get something to get something. I know it always gets, seems to get forgotten in this time of year, but... You have to to get a player of that caliber. Again, Shirelli's not in the league anymore, so you actually have to give something of value.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can't give Adam Larson for Taylor <laughs> Hall. Um, and by the way, anybody that defended that trade at the time, people are still defending it. No,
0: not now. Yes, not. there are. I will find you an article off the air. I will send somebody. Still, find me one. Somebody literally wrote the other day that that the Oilers won the Taylor Hall trade. I'm P- not joking. Peter
1: Shirelli, write an article. <laughs> Um, I'll find it. The day that trade happened... Look, we're wrong about a lot on this podcast, I'm sure, and by we, I really just mean Jamie. The day that trade happened, Jamie, Craig, and I were 100% adamantly calling it one of the worst trades in NHL history. And at the time, we were in the minority, which is insane to think now because that trade was only a couple years ago. So I want written apologies from anybody that ever thought that was a good trade for Edmonton, giving up a guy that at the time wasn't an MVP... Uh, winner, but he was a candidate, or at least he had showed the ability. And since then, has won a Hart Trophy on a team with no other offensive weapons. So I,
0: this is a, this is done by the hockey writers. So take that with like a you know a mountain of salt. November twenty fourth, two thousand nineteen.
2: The Devils lost the Larson Hall trade.
1: So just just to be contrarian, for the sake of being contrarian, yes. Uh,
2: maybe I'm retroactively showing my ignorance here from the time. But when the the Larson for Hall trade went down, my my reaction was,
1: who's Adam Larson? No, that's pretty fair. Yeah, he was, it was a, a high pick, but that's it.
0: Yeah, he was a high pick. That was a pretty decent second-pairing defenseman. That, that's all he was. You don't...
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, it, it's shocking, actually, that New Jersey didn't do anything with it. Like, you were here, you were, you were gifted one of the best, I don't know, what, 20 offensive weapons in the NHL for a guy that you could easily replace, and they have, and they've done nothing with it. Uh, okay, I want to get a couple more. Drew. What does Jackie think of the Coyotes' inability to get defensive zone clearances? Seriously, though, what's going on there seems to be an ongoing theme with this year's team.
0: Um, What does Jackie think? They also Somebody want to know what Jackie thinks about Duck Hodges. Well, he's coming to I'm, town.
1: I'm, I'm lumping all the Duck questions together. Don't worry. Uh, are we going to answer that question while I look for the other one? You tell me. I don't know what Jackie thinks. You you live you live with Jackie. I'll ask Jackie, and we'll answer it next week. Okay? That feels
2: like a very nitty-gritty coaching question, and I don't have a good answer so Yeah. Right?
1: I think they miss Nicholas Johansen. It's going to be my answer to most questions. Adam writes in with the Steelers coming to town this week to play the Cardinals. How excited is Luke that there's a duck associated with the Pittsburgh team? I'm pretty excited. I'm not as excited as Jackie and, and the. Uh, Although I don't fleet know how ducks. excited.
0: Well, I don't know how excited because duck, duck Hodges is a duck hunter. He was duck hunting with uh, James Washington last week. Like I think Jackie better yeah, watch out. He spe- he spells the demise of ducks. Yeah, I think Jackie better stay way away from Glendale. That's what I think. Did you ask for?
1: Gen one Pokemon questions because there's a few of them.
0: I did ask last week. You were on the show. You were here when these questions
1: were asked. Yes, but you said them. So I Yeah, because remember I walked out.
0: you every, through why you need to you know why you always have to start with like Charmander and that was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, getting Bellsprout. Like, yeah, but I wasn't on the show last week, so it was pretty
1: much like last week. Tyler. For Jamie, if the coyotes were a Gen one Pokemon, who would they be?
0: Uh, I would say you know what, they're probably like um probably like a clefairy. Maybe because they're a normal type. People don't look at them as anything that special, but they're really solid, have a lot of HP, a lot of good goaltending. And do you know what? They do pretty well in the end against everybody.
1: They can beat all types of teams. I only asked the question so I could see Matt's reaction. Maybe a
0: Wigglytuff.
1: It, it maybe a Wigglytuff. Matt, what do
0: you it. think? Clefairy, Wigglytuff. Maybe Wigglytuff. I just they're watched amazing, me out of this. I have
1: watched more. Matt lose respect for you like physically. Can you lose more than zero respect? I didn't think so until me. just now. That's a great point, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I'm trying... There was one other one. What is... Uh, Adam also wrote in, Lately, I can't tell if Hayton isn't playing or just isn't mm-hmm. playing well. Is the mm-hmm. team concerned or is he still performing as expected? And then for Jamie, since you can't answer hockey questions, who's your favorite Gen 1 Pokemon?
0: Oh, Articuno is the, the clear answer. That yeah, obviously. I to think about that one. Distant uh,
1: relative to Andreas Attenasio. Uh,
0: yes. Uh, for Barrett Hayton, look, some of it... It's it's more difficult than I think people realize to not play consistently and to just get get in and here and there and try to get back up to game speed and in the system i, I don't think i can fairly value i mean look he hasn't been playing great i mean I know everyone freaked out when he had two really good games to start the year he hasn't been playing great lately but i don't think i can fairly evaluate his performance until he has a little bit more prolonged stretch in the lineup yeah and had.
2: if you look at his ice time too and some of the games that he has played which again the past you know few weeks or so he's barely played at all but He's been like the lowest on the team in ice time in every game he's played, just about for the last five or six times that he's played. Like, he's had far and away the the, the fewest minutes.
0: Yeah, like in the Vegas game on the 29th, he had 7.59. Yeah. Like, here, I mean, here's his time on ice in November 14 minutes, 12, 9, 7, 11, 8, 10, 10, 8.
1: Yeah. If the question is, are the Coyotes concerned? I don't think the Coyotes are concerned. No. I think that they just, they're trying to find a balance where they can get him involved this year so he's getting something out of this season. Without hurting their chances to make the playoffs, and it's just uh, another reminder of how stupid that rule yeah, is. Where per- perfect you
0: world, he's in the for, he's on the first line in Tucson, yeah. playing you know probably 17, 18 minutes a
1: night, dominating the AHL and developing, which is supposed to be the whole point for a 19 and a 20 year old player. Not the well, we're just going to block him from going to the AHL because we want him to be available to the CHL. And this is what happens: he's not in the CHL or the AHL. He's getting limited minutes in the NHL. His development is very potentially stunted at best. It's He's developing from playing, what, eight minutes every few nights at the NHL level and practicing with the team. Well, Man, I, he's still getting something out of this year. He should be in the AHL. And
2: Jamie alluded to it that he had a, a couple of games at the beginning of the year where it, me personally, I watched him and I said, wow, like this guy's pretty good. He had that one play where he fought off a defender with a, one arm and passed the puck yeah. with the other arm, and it, you know it resulted in a goal. He had the between-the-legs pass that resulted in a goal. Um, and I think since then, some of the ice time he's had, he hasn't, done as much with it, taken some penalties, et cetera. Uh, so I, I think, you know, it's it's a combination of a lot of things, but mostly just protecting his minutes, like you guys said, you know, they're trying to make the playoffs.
1: All right. That's going to do it for us for Craig Morgan, who's not here. For Jamie Eisner and Matt Lehman, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Why didn't you like my wiggly tough comp? Ew.